Hello everyone and welcome back to another super special episode of trying to figure it out. This week we bring Haley Jacobson back for part two and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I hope you all had an amazing week and are excited to tune back in for more on Haley. Before we get into the rest of our interview, I do want to put out a content warning regarding sexual abuse and abuse in general. I'm going to put in time codes for the specific parts of the episode that you may want to skip over if you're not comfortable listening, and I appreciate you all for listening and can't wait to share the rest of my lovely chat with Haley. So that being said, let's get right back to where we left off. Another subject you touch on in your writing is navigating the world as a bisexual woman. Mm-hmm. Are you open to discussing queerness and your experiences as a sexually fluid person on the podcast? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Happy Pride Month. Yes. When and why did you first decide to write about your sexuality? Well, I think it's a fun little tidbit to say that I thought I would never write about being gay because I was like, I I don't I'm not, I'm not gay enough to write about being gay. I had a lot of imposter syndrome and I was just like, I haven't struggled enough. I haven't struggled enough. Like what, what do I have to say um, that, you know, queer elders haven't already said and, you know, what's my place in this space as a, as a person who still is interested in cis men and, just all the things that came up. Anytime I say I'm not going to write about something, I'm definitely going to write about it. That's the thing. I think it was just like, it just was my reality and I needed to process it. I needed to process coming out. And I was, I came out because I fell in love with a woman and that was its own complicated, nuanced and beautiful thing. And I started kind of dipping my toes in writing sort of narratives about what it was like coming out and all the things I was feeling. And then I think, you know, two years ago when I firmly was like, I'm not going to hide behind my relationship with a woman. Like the fact is that I'm not a lesbian. I am a bisexual person and I don't want to hide from that. Um, then I started writing things that I'm really proud of, um, about my sexuality and about my, um, my journey as a gay woman. And so I think that's kind of like the journey that it's been on. With sexual orientation, OCD, how would you say that it's affected your life and relationships overall? I don't want to say that it hasn't, but I am able to, in a wonderful way, compartmentalize my OCD from my lived reality because OCD, my OCD brain, his name is Josh. He's a roommate that um, I didn't want to live with, but I do. And he's not going anywhere. The rents are way too high in New York to get rid of him. Um, And Josh kind of comes along for the ride. He doesn't really fit in with my life. Um, And so he's there. It's okay. Sometimes he's loud. Sometimes he's quiet. Um, but I just live my life, my beautiful, queer, full life. He comes for the ride and he's there, but so much of OCD recovery is living a a values-based life. So you don't let you, the, the goal is to try to, um, live alongside your deepest values, even though OCD sometimes tells you to do something else or to do the opposite. And so for me, um, when I get really sucked in by my 
my current theme, which is want to change, it probably will, then I just double down on my life, which is a very queer, very full life. Has your sexual orientation OCD affected how you celebrate Pride Month? I don't know. Pride has always been this like very special time for me, even before I was out. So I actually think that like being in community is what, what makes my OCD the quietest. Um, it's not about, and it will never be about ridding of my OCD. That's impossible. That's not the nature of, of a brain like mine, but, um, I, I do find that, um, going out and being part of pride events and being with other queer people, then I just really feel like aligned with my, myself and my values. And, and yes, I do get caught up with intrusive thoughts sometimes, but there, there's so much more manageable now. So, um, I think honestly, like the, well, some of the best medicine for me is to just be in my community and to just constantly remind myself that there's just no perfect way to be gay. Absolutely. Obviously in your writing, you have more time to really sit down. Is there a difference for you in how you celebrate pride through your writing versus how you celebrate it, you know, in your daily life or during the month when you're going out? Yeah, I think that like, oh, in my writing, I'm really delving into the parts of pride that are complicated and um, also rich in history and are, you know, reminders to folks all across the the sexuality spectrum of of how valid they are. And I just, I think I'm doing a lot of labor in a way that I want to, to kind of remind people of the tenets of pride that feel so close and true to me while also going into the deeper and stickier parts, especially as a bisexual, um, because it's just hard to be bisexual. It's just, it's, it is, bisexuals have the highest rate of suicidality within the queer community. Um, the lack of visibility, the erasure, the, the internalized homophobia, biphobia, specifically the externalized biphobia, the biphobia within the queer community. It's just a gut punch all the way through. And so I think I spend a lot of time on social media talking about that and writing about that and, and, you know, reaching that sort of audience that I have this beautiful audience of bisexual people, but when it comes to like celebrating pride, I'm just like out having a good time, you know, like that's for me, like it's my time to shine. It's Gemini season, pride season all at once. I'm just like out, you know, titties out, just having a blast, you know, like feeling really good and joyous and, and dancing and you know, there's, there's also elements of pride where there's liberation marches and there's time to, times to show up and really, you know, serve your community, serve your queer elders, serve, you know, our trans warriors who started it all for us. So of course there's elements of pride that, you know, I take very seriously and kind of show up in the way that I can but also there's a lot of fun things to do. So I'm doing those fun things. You're doing both. Yes. 
Do you have any advice to share for other bisexual young women who are trying to figure their life out? Yes. Oh my gosh, I do. Um, I'll speak first, I think, like to I think my more niche audience would be like bisexual femme people, um, you know, femme as in aligning with a feminine identity, not 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 gender. I mean, I always just start with like there really is no perfect way to be gay, and that um you know, you never have to come out, especially if you don't feel safe. But if you are someone who is bisexual or you think you're bisexual and you're closeted or you're dating a cis man or you're in a heteropresenting relationship or you're in a lesbian relationship, which I get DMs from people all the time saying that they're scared to come out as bi because they're in a lesbian relationship. I just want you to know that like every time you come out, you're paving the way for more people who are feeling like they have to hide themselves. And we don't always like, if, if that makes you feel better to know that like in community, we can step out of this, you know, hidden, um, sheath that we're all under. If you can contribute to that visibility, if you can kind of do your part in stopping the erasure of bi folks, then like maybe that can be your call to action to come out because you are valid. You are worthy. You are queer. You are such a special part of the queer community because sexual fluidity is just magical. And we are, I think the most loving of the bunch just by nature we just love to love and so you don't have to come out if you feel unsafe but if there's a part of you that wants to come out and you're stopping yourself because you're saying what's the point there's a huge point you are a mirror for young people coming out you are proof that we are expansive humans that can lead and live so many different kinds of lives. And so, yeah, it's worth it. And if you are in a hetero presenting relationship, you're just as bi as I am, baby. You are queer. You are valid. It is certainly a struggle. It comes with a lot of mourning and trauma and that sucks. And I'm so sorry, but you're still one of us. You're still here. Thank you. I think that's amazing advice. And I think it'll be super helpful for so many people. We're going to kind of pivot subjects a little bit now. Talk about your writing and your book deal. Mm. I'm so excited to talk about it. So congratulations, first Thank off, you. on signing a book deal. That's huge Thank and you. so exciting. Thank for my you. listeners who don't know, Haley's debut novel, Old Enough, comes out summer 2023. When did you come up with the idea for your first novel? I think that the novel had been marinating for many years. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a story about femme friendships and the magic and insidiousness of that kind of friendship um, that was living in me for a long time. I don't know, many years, but then when I finally sat down to write it, it just, it, it happened in nine months. I wrote it in nine months. So it was, it, it, it kind of, 
it, it flooded out. So it's a coming of age novel about a college sophomore. What are the most important things you want people to know about your first book? So my book hits a lot of different themes, but I think there's not a lot of books about femme friendship in terms of like friendship breakups and in terms of figuring out when and why people aren't on our own journey anymore. Um, So I think that's one thing that will resonate with some readers. And then I think other readers will resonate with, um, you know, campus life and coming out and finding your people and your first queer situationship and breakup and your first queer love. Um, And then I think this book will resonate with survivors because ultimately um, my main character Sav is um, within the course of the book, there are events that sort of throw her into a turbulent discovery of um, what it means to be a, a survivor in the post Me Too era, what it means to decide what kind of survivor you want to be and how you want to show up in the world as a survivor. And um, so I think if any of those things sound interesting to you, then my book is probably a good a good choice to pick up. I cannot wait. The first thing you said and the third point you made are so unbelievably relatable to me. I personally have done a lot of friend breakups in the last year or so Mm -hmm. on this journey of really trying to find myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm so aware of so many toxic traits that I fed into and that I'm attracted to. And, you know, it's, it's a thing. And I don't think it's totally talked about in a lot of spaces. So I'm excited to read your story. And also I am also a survivor and the point you made about how people feel comfortable navigating how they want to be a survivor is just a really important subject. I mean, you know, I'm navigating that. I haven't really decided how I want to handle it or I'm still just dealing with the trauma every single day and taking it one step at a time because I just don't know how I feel and I'm trying to figure that out. So I think you writing a story about so many subjects, it's just special that they're all coming together because that's so unique. And like you said, I think that does make your book stand out for so many reasons. Oh, thank you. I'm really proud of what I've done. I think like, I, I don't think enough authors say like, I like my book. I like the book that I wrote. And what I want to say to you is thank you for for sharing that with me and with your audience. And I I also just, you know, if this resonates with you or resonates with anyone listening, something I think about a lot is the choice to show up as as the survivor you you want to be, as weird of a phrase that is, is is so truly your choice because the commonality with all survivors is that at one point in time, we did not have a choice. So there's, there's no person who can dictate how you want to show up because that is your right. That is, that is so your right, because that right was taken away from you. 
um, and me and talking to myself as I say this. And I think, um, but I think it's, it is such an interesting conversation because the language and dialogue has shifted so much because we live in a post me too world. And there's a lot of expectation now how we talk about, um, abuse and being a survivor and consent and, you know, our stories, being an activist, being public, being private. It's, it's just so complex when the reality is, is that like all we should be doing is healing. And some people find healing in being loud about it and some people don't um so if anyone's listening like there's no right way to be gay and there's no right way to be a survivor like it's up to you babe it's up to you and you have all the time in the world yes something I learned the most about is anyone listening who doesn't know what they want to do I mean this is the first time I've ever verbally said I'm a survivor literally in this conversation is the first time I've ever felt like I wanted to say that and it's you know it it's a step for me and just accepting my reality. And so I'm just taking it one day at a time. And for anyone listening who doesn't know or feels scared, just because you say you're a survivor, it doesn't mean that you have to do something about it. It doesn't mean that you have to take action. It just could make you feel so much more safe in your own skin and comfortable, you know, really experiencing and sifting through the trauma that you're marinating in because it stays with you for years and it will stay with you for years, but any acknowledgement you can make for yourself is so important and such a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, thank you for sharing that with me. I feel very touched and, and I agree that it's not a linear journey and you can ask yourself a lot of questions. You can spend a lot of time away from it. Took me seven years to realize and another four to talk about it publicly. So that's, that's more than a decade of, of my life. So I think there's no, um, timestamp on this at all. Agreed. And I just want to commend you as well for being comfortable and aware of how important it is to be a woman and you're proud of something that you did you know it's not a lot of us don't feel safe to say we're proud of something yeah. instead we're like oh this is gonna suck like what if it's not good enough or you know whatever I, it's so amazing to just hear you so openly say how proud you are of your writing and your book and that's something that all women listening to this podcast should take away and just hear your voice saying how proud you are of yourself because you should be and that's such a strong and impressive thing to say as a woman these days. So thank you. Thank you. I agree. We started LPs three because I am such a music girl. Music gets me through so many tough times. I have a soundtrack for every emotion, every story I've been through, every experience I've had. So I have like a pride themed LPs three for you. I want to know if you made a playlist for pride month, what are the first three songs that you're going to put on it. So number one would be Go to Town by Doja Cat because it is the most fun, sexiest song I've ever heard. And it is just like such a um, confident anthem of like embracing 
pleasure and expecting pleasure. And I think that that's like such a pride month bop for me. Um, second one is I don't want it at all by Kim Petras because it's just the brattiest, like them bossy bitch song. And that is such a part of my energy for sure. It's just such a fun song. Um, and then I feel like I want to include every Muna song that exists, but I think I Know a Place by Muna is the most beautiful, heartbreaking, heart-touching, hopeful, um, queer song. And it is just like, brings tears to my eyes every time I listen to it. It's just so gorgeous and about recognizing communal hurt community hurt and saying I know a place we can go um and and going dancing this is so crazy that that's the song you just said because the last episode I put out was with my best friend Bo who is gay and that is our song and we mentioned that song on his episode and how he never knows song names. And we said the wrong artist because as you're saying this, I'm like, wait, I don't know why I thought it was Robin. No, it's Muna, but then, yeah, it's a similar vibe. It's a, such a similar vibe. So I think I said it as Robin and didn't even correct myself in the last <laughs> episode. And now I'm here correcting myself. But that is so funny that you picked that song because I couldn't agree more. It's like, that's our song. Anytime we go anywhere, just no matter what we're doing, that's like such a beautiful special song it really is it really is it's like it's such queer gospel and it's such a testament to queer strength because that was song was written after the orlando pulse shooting and it's just like such reclamation of of community and community care and it's also just a fun song at the same time so it's yeah it's it's gorgeous so i'm i'm happy to have have the spirits have called me in to correct you and and give and give applause to our Lord and Savior the the three the three bandmates of of Muna. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on today, Haley. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. It was honestly so incredible talking to you. I feel like I'm going to be on a high for the rest of the mm-hmm. week just thinking about all the things I learned. Once again, everyone, you can find Old Enough on the Shelves, summer of 2023, Pride Month, June. And in the meantime, you can read more of Haley's work on her Instagram. So thank you, Haley, so much. We are going to have you back soon. I would love that. Thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative.